Are you ready to listen to my dad, Joe, and Uncle Justin talk about sports? Now on with the show. The Joe Mays and j Show is brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop, which has been serving the greater Westlawn area delicious food for over 70 years. You are listening to The Joe Mays and j Show. Boring. A... <clears throat> weekly podcast about sports since 2011. Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? With a focus on football. Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20. Mahomes takes the snap. He's just going to throw it long for Demarcus Robinson. It is going to use up all the time. The game is over. And the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. Kansas City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. Live with episode 305, talking 2020 NFL Draft. And it's going to be a good one, as always. And joining me, co-host Justin Raffoff via the Maze Sandwich Shop Hotline. Welcome to the show, Justin. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. And, uh, you know, still doing this virtual thing, but, hey, it's working. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know... We had a big show a couple weeks ago relating to the NFL draft. You know, we did it live on Thursday night with the first round. And it was nice to hear a lot of people ask if we were going to be doing the second and third rounds on Friday night. But uh, that just wasn't in the cards with a a bunch of other uh, things going on. And we weren't here on the regular show last week. But we did have a show about the Wilson football team on the Bulldog Hour, the second episode of season six. So we've been busy, but we wanted to make sure that we came back and talked a little bit more NFL draft here this evening. We wanted to wrap up how our teams fared, uh, you know, Eagles, Cowboys, Dolphins, Patriots, Ravens, Steelers, all the ones that our listeners are interested in. We wanted to make sure we talked about, and uh, I'm not sure there's a uh, bigger Discussion point than the one surrounding, um, well, the the local team, your Eagles, because they um, made a surprising pick in the second round. And I know we're uh, going to talk a lot about the Philadelphia draft. So do you want to start right there and jump right into it? Yeah, we might as well. We we might as well start with with the Eagles. So, um, yeah. So when we look at the Eagles, like you said, I, I would... I would kind of go back and, and argue that the, obviously the biggest surprise was that second round pick at number 53, when they took uh, Jalen hurts a quarterback, um, which has lots of questions, which we'll get into. But at the same time, like there were also questions about their first round pick when they took Jalen Rager over um, Justin Jefferson, who is still available from LSU. Um, when you look at it, the, the Rager thing, I was, surprised just because everyone assumed they were going to take, I shouldn't say everyone. I know people were talking about uh, them taking Jefferson if he was available there. And he was the things that made that a, a little more difficult, I think were the fact that CD lamb was available much later than people thought. And he went to another team, which we won't mention till later. Yeah, I was going to say, um, we're going to mention him eventually. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think that really turned people because people feel, oh, they wouldn't trade to get up. It's not that simple all the time. And, you know, you and I were talking about this when we were live, like, chatting during the – when we were broadcasting during the draft. Like, you know, lots of teams will sometimes say, like, okay, like, yeah, everybody's like, oh, the Eagles should have jumped up in front of Dallas and got – CD lamb. Well, we don't know that the Cowboys hadn't already said to the team, Hey, look, if the Eagles call, let us match, you know, like 
I'm not saying they did, but you don't know. There's so many things going on in those back channels of the draft that it's impossible to know that they could have jumped up and gotten CeeDee Lamb, although it looks enticing, and that would have been awesome. However, um, Jalen Rager, like I think, I'm pretty sure NBC Sports Philly put out an article a couple weeks ago just saying how, like, oh, Jalen Rager is flying up the Eagles' like draft board like because they really like his tape and they think he's a really good fit. So, like, when I see an article like that out of Philly, like, when they took him, yes, I was surprised, but I wasn't that stunned. And I know and this is one of those things where, you know, I hope it's true, but I've seen it lots of places. Lots of people were saying, yeah, he didn't run a great 40 at the combine. However, and again, virtually everyone has said this, he plays and ran a much, he ran a much faster 40 at his simulated pro day he didn't really get a pro day um but they also say when you watch his game speed his tape he plays much faster than the 40 that he ran so i don't have a problem with that especially when you look at the issues they have or had at wide receiver last season they went out and got a wide receiver they got a speedy guy i I can't really complain about that um i was hoping they would go with the bigger wide receiver and then draft KJ Hamler in the second round, but KJ Hamler wasn't around for that pick number 53. So that wouldn't have necessarily worked out either. You know what I mean? So I'm okay with the Rager pick at, at, at uh, round one. Um, you know, I know there were some issues with drops and things like that. You know, the one the Eagles have had issues with drops. Like when you look at Wentz's numbers, it's insane because the Eagles have, have dropped so many balls. It's, it's unbelievable. But um, you hope that's something you can work on. But at the same time, you look at his numbers. Well, TCU wasn't very good this past year. Um, and so, like, I I look at it. If you put Jalen Rigger on LSU, yeah, he's putting up monster numbers too, you know. So I, I don't worry about that part of it as much. When we get to round two and the Jalen Hurts pick, I was really mad at first. Um, and I still don't necessarily agree with the pick. However, the more I look at it, it's probably me just talking myself into it. But the more I look at it, I'm like, okay, I understand. Like, th- there were a couple different things. One, I try and look at it as someone brought up the point that this, to them, this looked like Jeffrey Lurie went to them and was like, look, if we had a real quarterback, we would have won a playoff game last year, at least a playoff game. Well, the, you, you could make that argument. If we had a real backup, that, that could have been the case. However, there were backups available last year and you didn't go out and get them. So I don't, I don't really, I don't know that I really buy that. Um, I understand that you want to make Jalen Hurts, you know, into something here, but how are you going to do that? Like, I know people, I think the Taysom Hill comparison is a little lazy uh, because he's not Taysom Hill like an really in any way other than he's a good athlete. Um, I don't have a problem with you taking a flyer on the guy who is the runner up for the Heisman and has, you know, led his team to a national championship and he's been incredible. However, like I just, that second round, honestly, if they would have gotten him in the third round now, based on everything we saw, he probably wouldn't have been around in the third by the time they picked at 103. Um, You know, I know there was some, eventual some shifting around but i just i feel like this is a huge insurance policy no matter what the eagles say about it and if that's the case like if you have that many doubts about wins which i do not but i i understand but if you have that many questions about Wentz, then how do you give him a hundred plus million dollar contract like that's that's what I kind of come back to. The, one of the interesting things um, is like everybody feels like Wentz has missed more games than he actually has. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised at like the few he's actually missed. It was just a handful right, like, at the end of a couple seasons and then the playoff run obviously going right. to the Super Bowl, which sticks out like a sore thumb. But overall, he hasn't missed a ton of time. 
No, he, he really hasn't. And I, I saw some of the stats and I, I can't find them right now, but I saw something like, um, you know, he's missed, I think eight games through four years. Um, which isn't a lot, you know, when you think about you tour, he tours ACL at the end of an MVP type season, right? So he, he tours ACL. So we always talk nine months is early. They brought him back too early from that because, and this is an important thing that a lot of Eagles fans tend, I feel like people are starting to come to grips with this pretty well, but Nick Foles played himself out of the starting job the next year. Like that's why they rushed Wentz back was because the offense was stifled the first few, the first few like um, weeks. Now that's not all Nick Foles. They, they lost and this is a key. And I think this was the bigger key that gets overlooked by a lot of people outside of Philly is that they lost their top two offensive minds. If outside of the head coach, um, to other coaching positions. One went and became the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville, I believe. And the other went and um, became the head coach in Indianapolis. Um, if not, the the guy, the other guy might've gone. No, he went to Minnesota. He went to Minnesota and was the offensive coordinator there. Sorry. Um, but then he got run out by Zimmer the next year. And then he went to Jacksonville. But, so all of a sudden you have grow who's calling. Yes. Yes. Who was the quarterback's coach for the Eagles and was a great fit there. And I know it didn't work out with Minnesota or in Jacksonville, but Jacksonville has one of those things where they can't really get it out of their own way. Um, but you, you look at, at some of the other issues, like, um, so all of a sudden you have grow who really had no, in my opinion, had he found himself in a spot where he, he was in trouble. He was in over his head, in my opinion, and he's been – the offense has not been what it needed to be the last um, the last year and a half or two years. Um, super inconsistent and things like that. So all that being said, I thought the Jalen Hurts pick was a little questionable in the second round. We'll wait and see, you know, like – I know I, I just said, oh, Wentz hasn't missed as many games as people think, but he still missed on average two games a year. Now, that's kind of funny because he played all every game his first year and every game this past year. Now he got knocked out of the playoff game. Um, but that, you know, the playoff one, I like, I under, I still look at that as like a freak accident kind of thing. You know, like that, that's something that just, happen because it's football that's not because of anything that's really in control you know because people are like oh he is running yeah but like the offensive line was pretty bad um or on that play was not doing very well um i kind of wish they would have um you know maybe went if they weren't going to go double down on wide receiver i kind of wish they would have gone defense in the second round um just because they were so I don't know. There's just lots of question marks. You know, the the draft could turn out really well for the Eagles. Like Jalen Reger in in a high flying Eagles offense could be like when you look at the weapons the Eagles could have, it, it could be a pretty dynamic offense. Um, you know, and imagine if if you've got speed and you've also got the Sean Jackson lining up somewhere else. You know, and you got they the Eagles got a lot faster and, and that's great. Um, John Hightower, who they got in the fifth round. I, I like that pick at wide receiver. I'm hoping he's, he can compete for some of those other spots. The problem is when you look at all the guys that they've been bringing in at wide receiver, they drafted two, no, sorry. They drafted three and they brought in some, well, you know, under undrafted free agents. What's that tell you about the guys they've drafted the last couple of years? Right. Um, it hasn't panned out. But, Right. Now, again, I am willing to give some of those guys still a shot because I think Grow was more of a problem and he didn't develop the young guys. Like he didn't, you know, I, I go back to when we talked to Chad and how he just talks about how Andy Reid like coaches 
and he, he's, you know, constantly making guys better and he's constantly giving you new stuff and all those things. I, I don't want to give the guys a pass, you know, like the, some of the Eagles guys have been absolutely awful, but at the same time, like coaches need to put their guys in positions to be successful as well. And the Eagles haven't necessarily done that. Um, so I like that they address the need at wide receiver, even though it's not necessarily the conventional way that a lot of people thought they would, they took two Auburn offensive linemen. Um, they drafted a linebacker. I like that they drafted the safety out of Clemson, um, who's a huge Brian Dawkins fan. Um, and Brian and Brian Dawkins, you know, went out publicly and was already like, Philly, you're going to love this kid. Give him a shot. Um, you know, so while the Eagles draft score is is a little low because of the questionable picks a little early on, um, I think there's room for it to grow. I, I don't think you're going it, to – it's incredibly unlikely that we look back and like, oh, man, they got a steal or they made a great pick in every round. That, that doesn't happen. But if you go back, if you get four solid guys out of this class, that's not too bad. I guess for solid, if you get a, a a dynamic playmaker and four good ones, then you would hope you're good. The problem is when you draft a quarterback in the second round, you're like, all right, well that doesn't help us this year already. So now we're just like forfeiting that pick. So that's, that's the only real issue I have. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I like, the upside of a lot of it, but you know, I feel like they left some, some on the table. Yeah, I, I, I agree. They had probably maybe the biggest shock inducing pick of the entire draft. Um, was that the Hertz pick in the second round, but I do like a bit what they did. I thought Rager was an interesting one over um, Jefferson and a few of the other receivers that were possibly out there. When CeeDee Lamb went late and at 17 to the Cowboys, we just kind of felt that it had to be Jefferson when the Eagles pick came around. And when he was still on the board and Philadelphia was on the clock, it was just it seemed to be too obvious and apparently it was because when Jalen Rager was announced, I was very surprised. Now I'm not saying it wasn't a good pick. It was just a little bit surprising based on what we had seen, but it's interesting that he'll get to overlap his tenure with uh, Deshaun Jackson. Cause they're um, quasi similar, especially when they can take the top off defenses and their field stretchers. And that usually makes uh, the rest of the wide receiver group, better when you have someone like that. And that was a missing link with the Eagles offense last year with Deshaun Jackson injured for so much of the time. So I, I, I like the Rager pick. The Hertz one is, I see both sides of it. I understand it, but like I've also seen a lot of people say is like, yeah, you do need a nice backup in the NFL when you have a quarterback that has been beat up a little bit here and there and has missed, you know, a, a handful, not even two handfuls of meaningful games in the, the first, uh, you know, full four or five years of his career. But if he would step in and have success, now what do you do? So, you know, it's one of those things, I guess we'll deal with it if we have to deal with it, but it, it, it mirrored my re, re uh, reaction to the early pick or the day one pick the Thursday night pick with the Packers trading up to get Jordan love. It just, it seems to bring a lot of unnecessary controversy and you could have used that pick to help win now. So, but I do, I do see both sides of that. Um, I I do like a few of the Eagles, other picks. Um, I I love the Wallace pick Um, 127th overall. And you get a versatile defender, multi-year starter and someone that has played against uh a solid um, FBS competition and been in the playoff a new number of years with Clemson. And he idolizes Brian Dawkins. There's a lot of similarities there. So I think Wallace will be a, an impact player in the years to come in Philadelphia. And I think he has the good chance to um, play very meaningful um, games this fall for the Eagles. Um, and I do like the very late um, flyer on uh the tackle from Auburn, Prince, uh, Prince Tegawanogo, 
I, I like yeah. him. I, I think that's a, a solid depth addition. I think he could surprise some people. But, you know, I, I feel like it, it wasn't a poor draft. It was a little surprising. But, right. you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people were left scratching their head when you could have gotten maybe an impact defender or even a second wide receiver with the 53rd overall pick and they went with a backup quarterback. Um, right. But, hey, exactly. you know, if they are able to um, – even if they don't have the same style of play, if they're able to figure out a role similar to Taysom Hill, or like I've seen other people mention grooming um, Lamar Jackson the way they did at the beginning. But I mean, they were grooming him to take over and that's not what they're doing with Hertz. So I don't know exactly if there's a a direct correlation there, but um, overall solid, if unspectacular, but you know, if, if Rager, basically if Rager, shows this year that he is worthy of a uh, first round pick and he is taking the top off defenses. Uh, yeah. I don't think Philadelphia is going to even worry about what they do, what Jalen hurts is doing. If Rager shows right. what he can do um, and, and the guys stay healthy, even though that has no reflection on the rookie class, you know, if the Eagles are pushing for the division winning a playoff game, it really isn't going to matter. I don't think anyone's really going to be talking too much about Jalen Hurts. Of course, if something related to Wentz occurs, that's a different story. Right. And But here's part of the issue, too. I, I don't think any of them look at Jalen Hurts. I, don't, I haven't seen anybody that's like, oh, Jalen Hurts is ready to play quarterback in the NFL right now. That's why he wasn't a first-round pick, and that's why he's kind of like in that next level of quarterbacks and all that stuff. He, he's very good, and the potential's there. You, you could see it in his growth from his time – as a freshman at Alabama until last year at Oklahoma, like he he's grown a lot and he works and everything about him has been great. You know, like it's not Jalen hurts. Isn't the issue. It's the Eagles taking him in the second round at 53 when they have other needs. And you know, the one thing is I saw Howie Roseman say, you know, we had talked about this with, about this scenario with, with Wentz. And we, we told him like, Hey, look, you know, I promise if we do this, I promise I'll go out and get you everything. You know, we'll go out and get as many weapons as we can. I'm like, so is that implying that if we don't do this, you weren't going to do that? Like, isn't that your job anyway? Like, you know, you look at last year, I know they were decimated by injuries, but like last year was partly a failure on the, in terms of the front office, you know, because like they, they were left in a playoff game running out practice squad quarterbacks at at wide receiver, you know? um, And, and it wasn't like it, like the issue came up weeks before that. So like, yeah, that that's unacceptable. And then for to go out and, and not use or to use a second round pick, not to help somebody who can help you all the time. Like it's just, when you look at, like Taysom Hill's snap count is not that high. You know what I mean? And and you look at a second round guy and you're drafted, even if he is a Taysom Hill type role, especially to start, like you're drafting a guy who max has a few snaps a game. Like that seems odd in the second round when you should be aiming for a guy that's going to play a lot, you know, in the second round. So it was an odd pick. Right. Um, the Jalen Rager thing, interestingly enough, I had actually looked at a couple different things where I had seen him going late in the first round, even though people thought that might be a bit of a stretch, just teams looking for wide receivers in those spots and based on the wide receivers that were left. So, you know, I saw some Eagles fans who were like, they should have taken Rager at 53. Rager was not going to be around at 53, in my opinion, even though, that was closer to where his draft grade may have been. Um, like I, I, I think he may have still gone on Thursday night if the Eagles didn't take him. Um, I obviously, I don't know that, but I, I just feel like while, while a bit of a stretch, I don't think it's as big of a stretch as, as it necessarily gets viewed just strictly looking at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I I, I get it. I I think that's a real possibility. But I don't want to just talk about the Eagles tonight. Um, So let's talk about uh, the team that shall not be named by Eagles fans, the Dallas Cowboys. We have to talk about them because, uh, unfortunately, for those of you that 
uh, bleed green. Dallas had on paper a phenomenal draft. They did a great job of finding yeah. uh, value at areas of need, which is generally what you're hoping to do. They allowed the board to play out perfectly. And maybe they drafted a few positions that weren't highest priority, but the value of the players that were left available when they picked, you, you couldn't pass up and they didn't. And none bigger than their first pick, number 17 overall. Thursday night, we heard the Cowboys take C.D. Lamb, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. And, you know, wide receiver wasn't at the top of their list. You know, they had just resigned Cooper. And uh, Michael Gallup has had a, a strong uh, early cr- part of his career. But, you know, there's definitely a subtle need there. But when you have someone who you had, according to Jerry Jones, six on your board available at 17, and you want to um, sure up the offensive side just because it's become such an offensive um, focused league, and you still have young talent at quarterback, running back, and a pretty solid offensive line, you couldn't pass that up. And they didn't, they jumped on Lamb, which we talked about live. Thursday, you know, almost two weeks ago with the first round of the draft yeah. as CeeDee Lamb is falling yeah. you know, after we saw Judy and Ruggs go and CeeDee Lamb is still sitting out there. And we said, do the Cowboys take him? Could the Cowboys take him? I mean, they're not going to trade with the Eagles to allow the Eagles to take yeah. him. Could the Eagles trade up in front of them? Because he's not getting past Dallas, is he? And that's exactly what happened. So um, a, a great pick right there. And then they did the same thing in the next round. Now, this was a higher area of need for the Cowboys was uh, defensive back. And a few other cornerbacks went earlier that many uh, draft experts felt were a bit of a reach. So Trayvon Diggs from Alabama fell. The Cowboys scooped him up. Excellent, excellent pick. Uh, same thing with their pick uh, in the third round, 82 overall. Oklahoma's Neville Gallimore, uh, a stud defensive lineman, just sitting there for the picking. Um, they they doubled down at cornerback, getting Reggie Robinson from Tulsa next. And then uh, two more excellent picks from Dallas in the offensive guard from Wisconsin, Tyler Baidaz, who I liked for Miami. I was hoping Miami could possibly land him um, in the in middle to late rounds, but Dallas took him. And then also uh, an edge rusher from Utah, Bradley Onay which was uh, you know, another guy that was pretty high up and thought pretty highly of uh, for a variety of, of draft people. Um, and then an interesting one just for our sake, because I know I texted this to Justin when it happened, the Cowboys' final pick was Ben DiNucci. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't ring a lot of bells for many people. Uh, you know, he was quarterback at James Madison, but before he was at James Madison, he was at Pitt. And why is that significant? Well, he was the quarterback... Um, for Pine Richland when they played our Wilson Bulldogs in the, at the time, yeah. Western State Final um, in December 2014. Uh, Wilson was winning that game into the fourth quarter and just couldn't hold on against one of the most talented teams in the state. Um, ben DiNucci's Pine Richland team would go on to play St. Joseph's Prep in the final that year, and it would be a huge shootout that St. Joe's Prep would win. And I believe a member of that team was DeAndre Swift, who was drafted in the second round by the Detroit Lions. So, um, yeah, I think I think I I sent this to you later on, but uh, that St. Joe's well, I shouldn't say that St. Joe's prep team, but St. Joe's prep had three kids drafted this year. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, with DeAndre Swift, um, John Reed, and I'm missing one of them, but yeah, I can't remember. Uh, the there, there was one is. Oh, uh, John Runyon Jr. I think. Oh, yes, you're right. Yep, that's who it was. So, yeah, just an interesting um, tidbit there. But I mean, the the Lamb for back, going back to Dallas, the Lamb Diggs, Gallimore, Biadas, and Nay, like all those to me were great value picks, positions of need, building blocks for the future of your team. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Reggie Robinson. Um, and Ben DiNucci is just a, a name to me. And with them signing Andy Dalton, I don't know if DiNucci will stick around. He may be destined for the practice squad at best. But just a great, great selection from Jerry Jones, whether or not he used input from his scouting department or not, who knows. But great picks from the Cowboys in 2020, which you as an Eagles fan can't be happy about. 
Um, Dallas may have their issues, um, you know, salary cap wise and signing people long term. And there's always going to be people that don't think Dak is the answer, both in Dallas and elsewhere. Um, but it, with a new coaching staff down there and the offense that they've assembled, and if they are able to find a couple defenders to step up or stay healthy, um, I think Dallas is looking pretty good in 2020. Yeah, I think I think when you look at it, um, you know they they did add adding CD Lamb. You know, obviously he's he's a huge weapon, and that's that's going to be something for them. You know, you line him up across from Amari Cooper, and you, you've got some big time weapons there. Um, you know, but like I kind of look at it. You know, looking at it from an Eagles standpoint, I'm like, okay, well, all right. Um, you know, the coaching staff is is the biggest question to me there. And by question, I don't mean necessarily bad. I just mean like unknown of how how that's going to work out. Um, mostly because it's it's just really interesting because you know Dallas had their weapons this past year, and uh, I I re. I retweeted this uh, earlier today because people were just saying, and I think unfairly, they're like, oh, Jerry went out and got his backup quarterback and paid him before he paid Dak. Well, Dak's going to get paid. You know, like I, that's just the process. And there's a whole bunch of things going on slowing that down. But, um, you know, Dak will get paid. And I, I think he's going to get paid by Dallas. Um, but when you look at it, I think, um, and honestly, that's part of also when you look at what the Eagles could have done. You know, there's guys out there who you could have gone and and tried to get as a backup, like veteran guys. Now, I don't know that they necessarily want to be backups, but at the same time, they're probably going to not turn down being in the league over things, you know, like going out and getting Cam Newton or going out and getting, um, you know, Jameis or, or, or Andy Dalton or now Dalton wasn't technically available, but you knew he might be because they drafted Joe Burrow number one, but you know, just going out, that could have been an option for the Eagles as well, but whatever they, they didn't go that route. Um, uh, Trevon Diggs is another great pick. You know, I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't necessarily, um, look for more on the offensive line. I know they've had a really good offensive line the last, however many years, but I also know that the last few years they've started to have some issues in terms of injuries and things on the offense, offensive line. Um, yeah. Well, so I thought that might be something team when Tyron Smith was out of the lineup. Right, right. They weren't. And I th- believe their center just retired. Travis you know, Frederick, now they, yeah. they, draft, they drafted a center, but when you draft a center in the fourth round, you know, you don't, I don't, I don't know that anyone would expect him to be the starter on day one. Um, maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. Center, center. In the NFL, they're all important, you know, because if if you don't have if you've got a weak link, they're just gonna line that, that guy up across from him, and you're in trouble. But you know, center is huge in the NFL. Um, being able to diagnose everything and and stuff like that. So that that's just you know, it's a little surprise. Maybe they didn't address that or the offensive line in general a little bit more. However, no, not they had a great draft. They they really did. Um, but when I, you know, I, I try to, and this is just me trying to be the fan that, you know, looking at it. Yeah. Okay. They, they addressed the wide receiver thing, but you know, I probably would have said they had the better wide receiving group before the draft too. You know what I mean? So like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that necessarily shifts anything in terms of when I'm comparing them to the Eagles. Um, you know, I, I, again, and this is the fan speaking, I'm going to take Wentz over Dak all day, every day. Um, mostly because mostly I believe in him, but the extra portion, you know, it, it would be pretty good. Like, I'm, I'm not a Dak hater other than the fact that he plays for the Cowboys. Um, but I'm going to take every chance to get the bus on him because he plays for the Cowboys. So, um, you know, I just, I look at it as, while they got, they got some guys, like, I don't know that really much changed in terms of how I would look at their team anyway. Um, CeeDee Lamb is a huge get. 
But again, outside of that, I don't, you know, I don't look at, okay, you know, here, here's something. And I see this shifting the balance. Now that, that being said, like, I, I think they're, you could argue that they're the best team in the NFC East, but honestly, you look at it last year, how did they not win the NFC East last year? Like that, that's, and I know there were issues with the coaching staff and that's been addressed, but man, that that's pathetic. You know, like, right. I I think you're right. I think it comes down to the coaching staff. I think things just weren't clicking there anymore. They, they needed a change and um, they got it. They're moving on. Uh, to bigger and I better saw, things. I saw, I saw something that said, you know, um, Andy Dalton, you know, has, has red hair and was brought in by Jerry Jones to be the backup so he can eventually coach the Cowboys for 15 years of 500 records, um, you know. And uh, I, I, saw, I saw another one. These are all eagle takes, obviously, but I saw one that CeeDee Lamb is going to wear 88, um, yep. you know, and somebody's like, oh, man, CeeDee Lamb Drew wearing Peterson. the – Michael Irvin, Des Bryant. Uh, yeah, it's all. It said C.D. Lamb already wearing the 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 Cowboys record on his on his jersey. So, um, <laughs> well, I've now man, I don't, I've, I don't know that that's going to be true, but um, yeah, I, eight and eight would be a, a a failure for this team. But oh, completely. the Cowboys drafted very well, and I have to give it to them because I like to rip on them when they when they don't get it right. But I, you're looking at it here. I mean, I they they drafted good. Um, we'll see how it turns out. Obviously, I hope there's some a lot of busts on there, and uh, you know, I hope I hope the cap becomes a huge issue. So, <laughs> yeah, that could be the one thing that unravels um, some of this momentum that maybe they grabbed uh, recently. But we we shall see. So we'll, we'll leave the AFC East since we talked about Philadelphia and Dallas, and we'll move to the AFC East. We'll quickly talk here about my Dolphins before doing the Patriots, and hopefully, very briefly, Baltimore and Pittsburgh in the AFC North. Um, but the biggest story for my team in Miami was what were they going to do at five? Were they going to stay at five? And we know that they did stick there. They did not trade up. They did not go offensive tackle. They didn't do anything crazy. They got their guy. They went with uh, Tua Tagovailoa at pick five, which I was very happy about. I'm glad that they didn't overreact. I'm glad they sat there. I'm glad they didn't pass on him just for medical reasons. He has the potential to be a franchise changer. I I liked him better than Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. So, and I honestly, I can't even say it just, it, it always surprises me when a guy has one brilliant year. And that's what Joe Burrow yeah. had. I mean, he had a, a yeah. like one of the best, if not the best ever year for a college quarterback ever. But I would have liked to see a little bit more production. I know, and, and the knocks on two are, are about his injury and maybe even the amount of games he played because of it. But going into last college football season, everyone was talking about two and no one, like Joe Burrow was like a mid round pick at best. Like, I was hearing that yeah. he was thinking fourth or fifth round people were saying, cause he hadn't done any yet. So is this going to be a, is he going to be a flash in the pan or was he just starting to hit his stride? I don't know. And I don't wish him any ill will. I don't have anything against Joe Burrow. Um, you know, he did it with LSU, not Ohio state. So that makes me happy, but the dolphins got to, uh, I'm ecstatic about that. I hope it works out. I hope he doesn't have injury issues and that we just have to start this all over again in a few seasons. Um, happy that they addressed the offensive line. You know, two of their next three picks were offensive linemen. Um, wasn't a huge fan of Austin Jackson, the football player um, at 18. I thought they could have possibly gotten someone uh, different, more polished, more ready to go. And that guy that I really wanted was uh, Cesar Ruiz, who went, um, I think it was like four or five picks later to New Orleans, the center from Michigan. He was the guy I really wanted. But after reading an athletic article about Austin Jackson, you know, I hope that he can match his um, physical play on the field with uh, the guy that he seems to be off the field because he seems to be an awesome leader, uh, awesome person, yeah. and I'm glad that he's a, a football player for the Dolphins now. Um, you know, the same thing has been said about the competitive nature of Noah Igbinogeni, which I'm gonna. It's gonna take a long yeah. time for me to figure out how to say that quickly. Um, I thought it was a stretch 
where, who they took and the position they were addressing because cornerback was not a need for the Dolphins, at least on paper. But if you want to um, stop these uh, talented offensive rosters that are trotting out you know, three dynamic wide receivers, a tight end, a running back, whatever, you need to have guys to cover them. And despite having the highest paid secondary with uh, um, Xavier Howard and uh, Byron Jones, now they added Noah – uh, to probably play in the slot, and you know now you've got hopefully three great coverage guys that can uh, stop some of these, uh, you know, throw it deep, um, throw it often type offenses. Um, Robert Hunt from Louisiana may get a chance to earn the right tackle job. If not, he's going to challenge for a guard spot. Miami could be trotting out five new players on the offensive line this year, and if not five new players, it'll be five maybe players that are not playing the same position as they played last year. So a lot of uh, overhaul along the offensive line. I love the Raekwon Davis pick, Miami's fifth pick. They made five picks in the top 56 pick. Raekwon Davis was a three-year starter for Alabama. And while his production... that's that's an awesome pick. Right. His production went down over the three years. He's also playing basically nose tackle. Um, Miami desperately needed another um, guy to plug in there in the middle, whether they play the 3-4 or 4-3 defensive set Raquan Davis I thought was a, a great get uh, pick 56 and then Brandon Jones a safety from Texas was my was Miami's sixth pick in the top 70 and he has the chance to um, play in nickel and dime packages and definitely excel on special teams once I once you get outside the top 100 you never quite know what you're going to find but Miami again added to the interior offensive line with Solomon Kinley from Georgia Georgia may have had their entire offensive line selected in the draft. Uh, at least all the ones that were eligible were, were picked. Uh, and he has a chance to be a starter there as well. Um, you know, the Dolphins signed Ted Karras from New England, who was a, a starter in New England by default because of injury up there. He came to Miami as a free agent. He'll be the starter at center. And like I said, um, Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley could possibly win the guard jobs. Um, and Austin Jackson could be your left tackle. And who knows what's going to happen at right tackle. So a, a lot of uh, upheaval there. But, you know, they the Dolphins wanted to find big and ruthless offensive linemen to become a rushing team that can also throw the ball. And Miami didn't have that ability last year because, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick was their leading rusher. Miami attempted to address that in the offseason by signing Jordan Howard and also then trading a fifth-round pick during the draft to get uh, Matt Breida from San Francisco. So while it wasn't exactly a, a new draft pick, they used the pick to bring in a known quantity. And uh, Miami rounded things out with a couple uh, rushers, uh, defensive rushers in the uh, the, the uh, towards the end of the third day, and Jason Strawbridge and Curtis Weaver. Curtis Weaver I, is one of my favorite picks from any team in the draft because there were t- times, especially early on, people were thinking he could possibly be a first round pick. Um, now there are questions arose as they watched game tape, and he seemed to disappear at times. And he's not your prototypical. Um, rusher but he put up massive production at Boise State so taking a late flyer on him I thought the Dolphins did a great job with that the the biggest um issue people have with Miami's draft is pick 185 which is Blake Ferguson because he's a long snapper and uh, Miami just yep. uh, jettisoned their long snapper two seasons ago and now they seem to possibly be replacing the new guy just one year into uh his um professional career so we'll see what happens there but can't go wrong with picking a Navy guy near the end. At pick 246, Miami took Navy quarterback Malcolm Perry, which I was super happy about. I knew he wouldn't be playing quarterback in the NFL, but we've seen um, co- collegiate quarterbacks transition to running back receiver type roles in the past. And, um, you know, Julian Edelman's made a career out of it, and I would love to see Malcolm Perry do the same, especially if it happens in Miami. But anytime we can get a Navy football player with the Dolphins, I'm happy about that. Yeah, I, when you you pointed that out pretty quickly, that was that was pretty awesome though. That that that's a pretty cool uh, feature there, and I hope Malcolm Perry can work his way into a roster spot because that w- that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, but yeah, I, Miami Miami killed it, man. They, they had so many picks, like you said, they they got their guy at number five, and honestly, if that's the guy they wanted, that's awesome because then like you don't even have to worry about the oh, did we pick the right guy like in terms of Burrow or, or 
Tua, you know, like, like since he has to work, not worry, not that they have to, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Cincinnati, Cincinnati has, is going to be wondering forever that. if right. it goes wrong. Right. Right. If it goes wrong. Whereas Miami took the next guy, like, you know, I think, you know, especially if Tua plays, you know, if, if he can play normally and, and be healthy and everything, which every indication is that he can, it's just a matter of if he will. And obviously no one can know that. Um, but yeah, to get your guy at number five there, that that's incredible. And I like that they stayed put and they didn't panic and try and get up and move up and, and worry about it. No, they, they stayed pat at five and then were able to keep adding in those pieces, which, which is awesome for them because they have another, boatload of picks next year too so. yeah to already have without making any trades or anything they already have two first and two seconds so you know they have another offseason of free agency and another you know most likely four picks in the top 50 or 60 at worst and um they should be uh, on the rebound i think they'll be pretty decent this year i'm not sure they're gonna push for the playoffs but i think they'll be better so i'm excited to see um what another year brings so staying in the AFCs and looking at New England, everyone thought maybe they would look to take a quarterback, and when Jordan Love was was um, still available late, maybe New England would trade up, take a flyer. We didn't see that happen. It was Green Bay, and New England actually didn't take any quarterbacks at all. They seemed content that, on rolling that, with Brian Hoyer that's wild. or Jared yeah. Stidham. So, yeah. That, that was certainly something when it came to New England. Of course, everyone was talking about how New England, like we predicted, Justin, would trade out of the first round, and they dropped down to pick yeah. 37. And um, New England's uh, head coach, Bill Belichick, uh, he didn't make the pick. His dog, Nike, made the pick of Kyle Duggar, yeah, the safety yeah. from um, you know a, an FCS school, Lenoir Rhine. And uh, you know, that's a very, very Belichick pick. Uh, defensive back from a smaller school, not in the first round. Yep. That just screams Bill right, Belichick. Right, yeah. uh, of course, Kyle Duggar will go on to be like a five-time Pro Bowler now. And as soon as he leaves yep. New England to sign somewhere else, he won't. He'll be a nobody. That's just the way it happens. Right. Um, I, I do love their second pick, Joshua Yush, the, the rusher from Michigan. Uh, he was one of my favorite edge rushers in the draft, and of course he went to New England because, of course. They, they doubled down right. with uh, the edge rusher, them getting an Alabama rusher and Anthony Jennings, another guy that I really liked. So I'm sure those two will be terrorizing uh, the AFC um, for years to come now, which is wonderful. Um, I, I can't say too much else really jumped out at me of being – you know, no. definite impact, you know, at least this season players, you know, Duggar, Yush and Jennings, I think will have, uh, the potential uh, and, sh- and, um, the tight ends, one of the tight ends, maybe to step up and, uh, I, I, and Devin Aziazi or Dalton Keen, but I don't know. I, I don't think it was an amazing draft, but it really is hard to talk negatively about new England until they start to play poorly. Right, right. And and the same thing here, like there like you said, there are a bunch of guys here that we don't know that we'll watch and over the next year or two are gonna become key players for them. And maybe not like superstars, but they're gonna be in the lineup and they're gonna be playing and yeah. So I'll I'll worry about their draft when they're not playing well, like you said. But until then he Bill still gets the benefit of the doubt. Um and and again, it, they aren't immune to bad picks like everyone, you know, and no one is, but they also, I'm not sure anybody makes more out of their unsuspecting picks. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. no, I, I feel like at the top end, at the top end of the draft, New England is pretty much the same as everyone else in terms of they get from, you know, they get this, they hit on the same amount and they miss on the same amount, but like, it's the other guys, the guys who are like, Oh yeah. I, I, you know, sometimes it's the guy you knew in college, but like, you're like, I don't know how he's going to be in the pros and new England picks him and you're like, I guess he's going to be pretty good. You know, like they make more out of their mid round and late round guys than the other teams. And, and that's when you fill out your roster and that's how you become successful. And that's, you know, because New England will always find a way to have that that other guy. They'll they'll add the free agent. You know, now again they do weird things in free agency sometimes, but um, 
they're not afraid to make moves to try and make it happen. So, all right, before we wrap it up here, let's quick give um, a reaction to the Baltimore draft, which was another solid draft. Um, you know, Dallas got rave reviews. I know Cleveland also received rave reviews, but I believe everyone really liked Baltimore's selections as well. Um, they made a bunch yeah. of picks, uh, 10 in all, um, but it was the ones early in the draft that stood out. Uh, they grabbed another great linebacker and Patrick Queen from LSU. Uh, he just fills in that role, and people talk right. about him being in the same mold as Ray Lewis. Um, I have a lot of remarks about that, but I won't say anything as we're running low on time. Um, not all of them negative, obviously, because you know when you can compartmentalize and just look at his play on the field, he's obviously an, an incredible talent. Um, but yeah, Patrick Queen, that was their first round pick at number twenty-eight, and then they made a bit of a surprise pick. Not that it's a bad pick, but just a little bit surprising yeah. to go a running back at fifty-five and J.K. Dobbins. You know they have Ingram there already, and Lamar Jackson is essentially a running back back there in their offense with what right. he was able to do last season. Um, now reports are that they would like to use four rushers, not counting Lamar Jackson in their offense. And, and Dobbins was great value at fifty-five. People thought he could go in, you know, the mid twenties, late first round. And I really was hoping the Dolphins would would take him. And I believe Baltimore picked Dobbins right before Miami's next selection. So I don't know if that would have happened, but Baltimore got Dobbins there. Um, it's just overall, very solid, solid selections for Baltimore. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't think uh, the Ravens, as long as Lamar Jackson doesn't regress or the NFL doesn't catch up to him and he doesn't, you know, continue to improve, right. I, Baltimore looks like a team that's probably going to hang around. You know, they got uh, yeah. upset this past season, and I'm sure that's going to boil over and um, have them coming out of the gate strong whenever 2020 begins. Right, right exactly. And, you know, I look at it, they, you look, they got a bunch of guys who I think can help them, help them this year. You know, J.K. Dobbins is going to get carries this year. Patrick Queen is going to be a plug and play linebacker this year. Um, you know, third round, they got some defensive tackle depth. He's going to play. Uh, DeVernay out of uh, Texas is probably going to play some receiver for them. Maybe not, you know, but that's, two years in a row, you know, I know they drafted Hollywood Brown last year. Um, and, uh, this isn't the same level as that, but you're still in the first two days picking up a wide receiver, you know? Um, uh, yeah, Ravens, man, people thought, you know, when they had a changing, a changeover in the front office, cause there were some retirements a couple of years ago that, you know, Oh, we'll see how they do in the drafts now. And, coming out of this draft, everybody's like, how did the Ravens still just draft so well? Like, right. how do they, <laughs> yep. um, but yep. So yeah, a great, great overall draft. Very strong should set them up for yeah. years to come. They address holes on defense and they added talent on offense. You really can't, um, be upset yeah, well, about what they did. Really ask for much more. No, yeah, absolutely. So, um, last but not least, let's talk a little bit about the their AFC North rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not a lot to be said about them because, well, they only had six picks and none in the first round. Of course, that one went to okay. Miami and the Minka Fitzpatrick deal. But Pittsburgh, you know, not didn't have a lot of. Um, Quantity, but they certainly got quality. I liked Pittsburgh's draft. I think Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, the receiver at 49, uh, can help give uh, Juju some room to operate. And with Ben coming back, I think that could be an instant success. Um, I like... uh, Two of the, their two Maryland picks, Anthony McFarland, maybe not the type of running back you were expecting them to get. Uh, you thought maybe they'd go with Bruiser, but they instead went with the, the shifty guy. Uh, but I still liked Anthony McFarland in college. The same yeah. thing for Antoine Brooks Jr., the safety. He was one of my favorites. I ho- hoped Miami could land him later in the draft, but he went to Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, a, and then a couple linemen. So. All in all, I thought Pittsburgh did did well with uh, the six picks they had available, especially not having a first rounder. But to get Claypool at forty nine, I think he fits that Pittsburgh offense to a T. Well, yeah, and uh, one of the stats that flashed on the screen about the Steelers when they drafted Claypool was, um, you know, the help that he's going to get for Juju and the and Ben in that offense because for the first time, I. 
forget how long, and it might be ever, the Steelers failed to score 28 or more points in a game last year. Wow. They did not score more than 28 points in any game, um, which is that's that's crazy when you think about it. Um, you know, but when when you look at it, Ben played the whole first game, I think, but he was injured in that game, um, and so yeah, I, that you, you look at what the Steelers have, you know, and looking at the draft grades, yes, it's tough, but because they only had the six picks and none in the first round. You know, if you look at the bigger picture, if you throw in Minka Fitzpatrick from that, because they had to give up draft picks for him, you know, um, and, and some of those other moves that they made, but they also get Ben back and they get, so the Steelers, you know, the ceiling is a lot higher than what it was last year once the season got going. Um, but yeah, they didn't. They weren't able to do a ton here. But I think some of the guys they got will be able to contribute. And I think Chase Claypool is going to be a good pick for them. And I think he could be a very good wide receiver to help complement for Juju. Which getting him back on track, it, it's hard to grade how Juju's season was last year because Ben was out. You know, and uh, they had really nothing at the backup quarterback position to really help any of the receivers. Right, and so, then Connor kept um, getting injured. Like th- there was no right, help right. anywhere, so that made it very, right. very so, difficult. Yeah, I think I think the Steelers' draft is going to be underrated, um, or maybe not underrated, but like kind of not flashy or anything like that. But I think they did address, and I think you're going to see some of these guys uh, contribute and. Um, I wouldn't expect the Steelers to be down for long. So, I know some were maybe a little bit surprised that they went wide receiver instead of getting more secondary help. Um, yeah. But I think, like a few people who have written the draft recaps have said, they are kind of all in on one last try with Ben. We know that the end of right. the Roethlisberger no. era is yeah. coming, so you need yep. to um, – you you need to do what you can, and you know, adding a wide receiver to go with Juju in that offense, and getting a a a, a running back in McFarland to go with Connor. Um, they're trying to do what they can to set the Steelers up for one big splash. And you know, think about the, what they were trotting out at quarterback this past year, and they still ended up going five hundred, and were looked like they were going to pull their annual. Pittsburgh thing where they start off strong, right. play well, terribly, and, and all of a sudden they're you know in the AFC Championship. And in the new playoff format, would have been a playoff. They team. would have been right. They were the la- they were the first team out. You know they were they were on they right. were on, and they were and looking back on it, I think they said of you know going back what was it like ten years or something, the Steelers would have made the playoffs three more times. They were the last right. te- the first team to miss like three other times. Yes, yeah. pretty much every year that they didn't make it, they would have. You know, (laughs) yeah, essentially. So uh, they're going to see a huge benefit uh, if that trend continues. But we'll see what happens as the, you know, we saw Eli hang it up. Philip Rivers has now moved on and is ready to hang it up, I'm sure, in the next year or two as well. Who knows what's going on with Ben? He's had much more issues with injuries than either Eli or Rivers have. And I think, right, right. I think this year's, this year's a big year for him. Like if they compete, if they make the playoffs again, again, then obviously I don't, he's not going anywhere. I don't think, you know, if, if they struggle and they miss the playoffs and if, you know, the Ravens kind of rule the, the AFC North, it, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I think the, the big thing here for, for the Steelers in terms of big picture is do the Browns make the strides that people thought they were going to make, you know, last year and how long, does it take Cincinnati to turn it around if they turn it around, you know, because all of a sudden you went through um, the Ravens had a few down years, you know, where they were still competing for playoff spots, but not really serious contenders. A lot of the time, Um, you know, the Browns were terrible and the Bengals were terrible. Well, all of a sudden, you know, if you, if everybody's competition, that, that changes things too. So yeah, for, um, for sure. Absolutely. Especially if you're, especially if you're the one in that group that has the old quarterback, you know, so that, that, that you, you look, the other three teams have young quarterbacks that they're building around uh, and you've got the old one that it just changes the game, especially in terms of the salary 
happen in those situations at this point too. So, yeah. And you know what? We're, um, we're going to sign off here and be done, but, um, we're not obviously done talking professional football. We are going to, it'll make its way back. (laughs) Well, actually, uh, we're going to be off next week. We're going to celebrate mother's day with the important women in our lives. So we're not going to have a show next weekend. Uh, I do want to say that uh, JMN, JMNJR Radio will not be silent, however, though, as uh, a podcast that I'm working on with my wife, Kelly, uh, is set to debut next Sunday. Now, we're not streaming it live. There won't be a live video next Sunday, but uh, Justin knows about this. Uh, Kelly and I have been working on a podcast on the movie Twister, and we're doing a minute-by-minute breakdown of the movie. So each episode will document one minute of the movie. And we've recorded a handful of shows already. And those are going to start to be available on May 10th, which is Mother's Day, a week from now. And just so happens to be the 24th anniversary of the release of the movie Twister. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, look forward to that. Hopefully we can record a few more times. We'd like to have a good uh, you know, six, seven episodes available when it debuts a week from now and, and hopefully can update with an episode or two every week. So we're looking forward to continue to do that. And then Justin and I will be back two weeks from now, May 17th. And you know what we're going to start that weekend, Justin? Is that our uh, preview for the for the season? <laughs> the NFL preview starts Sunday, May 17th. 2020 NFL preview, starting with the NFC West on episode 306, two weeks from now, and we are plotted out to cover each division um, week by week. We'll have five consecutive weeks where we cover the NFC West, AFC West, NFC South, AFC South, and NFC North before taking a break for Bulldog Hour and then the 4th of July um, weekends around there. Uh, We'll pick it up with AFC North, NFC East, AFC East, and Super Bowl for three weeks. And then all of a sudden it's August and we're on Bulldog Hour full time. So um, while it may only be May 3rd right now as we speak, the football season is hopefully um, rapidly approaching. I know this week the NFL is set to release the schedule for this year, a full 17-game slate, and I know that they have contingencies in their pocket, but right now the hope is to start on time with 17 games. I believe that's supposed to be released Wednesday or Thursday this week. Yeah. Oh, man. I. It's such a mixed bag of emotions as, like, the NFL schedule's coming out and, you know, and all those things. Like, because by mixed bag, I just mean, like, oh, my gosh, I want it to happen. Right. But at the same time, like, I don't want to get my hopes up understanding that it, the, it it's going to happen when it happens, I should say. You know what I mean? But I, I would love for all those things to be able to start on time. I just don't want to, like, set my mind that that's exactly how it's going to pan out because that just isn't a good idea, right? Yeah, so. we, we shall see. So um, any shout-outs for you before we go? Uh, happy birthday to my mom uh, today, actually. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, happy birthday to uh to cheryl and hopefully it was a good one we gave a positive reviews to the ravens so she should be happy about that um actually i think she was commenting on the video so yeah yeah well there you go that she doesn't have to uh, go to bed with a frown on her face uh knowing that we were uh poo-pooing the ravens which we tend to do from time to time (laughs) but now that joe flacco's not there i don't feel the necessity anymore so right right but oh one quick thing about the draft my my son was so into it was so into it and it was great, but it's already like, you know, when the Eagles didn't draft the player he wanted because he went before this has nothing to do with Jalen hurts. KJ Hamler went to Denver instead of to the Eagles. And my son was crushed and said, you know, he was like, but I'd been dreaming about this since I was four, which, which is not exactly accurate, (laughs) but, um, you know, I love that he was so invested in it. Um, you know, and, Honestly, you know, being hopefully a Philadelphia fan as he's developing those, you know, get used to the heartbreak early kid. So yeah, that's uh, right. That's well, right. Uh, Although if there, if KJ was going to go to a team, that probably would be second best, wouldn't that, it? That is literally what I told him. I'm like, dude, like that is honestly, if he's not going to the Eagles, that's where I want him to go. My sister lives out there. We can we can get the jersey, you know. We'll, right, we'll it, make it, it work. Be buddy. weird, don't, don't you know, just be wearing. Right, you know. You don't have. Right. Don't be like me. Who just would buy whatever team a Penn Stater went to, even though if they had no relation right. to family or anything. This one is at least there's right. a link there. 
So yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, excellent. So thanks for joining me to talk about the NFL draft. Um, have a good yep. week. We will, um, be back in two weeks to yeah start our NFL preview. Looking forward to it. Um, obviously, we'll be talk. We'll be able to talk about who teams are playing when. So that's going to be great. So um, thanks for joining us on episode three hundred five of the Joe Mays and JRAF show. Uh, for Justin Raffoff, I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again in two weeks. That's a wrap on this episode of the Joe Mays and JRAF show. Brought to you by May's Sandwich Shop. You can watch each weekly episode live on Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube. Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can also rate and review us on many of these platforms as well. We'd love to hear from you. Send your email to the Mays Sandwich Shop inbox at joemaysandjraff at gmail.com. The Joe Mays and JRAF Show is a part of the JMNJR Radio Network, home to other productions such as the Bulldog Hour, Tangents with Friends, and Nat Chats with Dad. Until next time.